0: Hello and welcome to episode 454 of the Yellow Wallpots. I'm your host Stefan Brunsku and today we will talk about Borussia Dortmund's fortunate 1-0 win against the FC Köln in der Bundesliga-Opener. Saturdays derby away to VfL Bochum and, if we have time, a small non-transfer update. (laughs) For that and more, joins me Lars Pohrmann. Hello Lars, how are you doing?
1: Hello Stefan, I'm fine, how are you? Doing
0: well, doing well, thank you, thank you. So, yeah, let's talk right away about the first game of the season um wasn't quite the barn burner now was it uh in the end donyer malen i think 85th or 88th minute i, I forgot uh, what minute it was uh with a somewhat lucky goal uh considering that uh, he didn't really hit the ball correctly and considering that he was supposed to be subbed off at that moment but uh, i think uh, for whatever reason riasson had to go off instead of him because of an injury so, uh, thus, as I said, in in my perspective, Dortmund were rather lucky to come away with all three points uh, out of this game. Uh, how did you see the uh, <laughs> the the opening form of the black and yellows?
1: I think there's very little doubt that this was a quite fortunate win. Um, I think kind of the prime example of why you don't look at expected goals over. Just 90 minutes because I think Dortmund actually beat Cologne on unexpected goals, but that certainly didn't pass the eye test, if that makes sense. Um, I think Edin Terzic, after the game, basically singled out Gregor Kobl as the reason they didn't lose. Um, so the game was sort of uh, going to be a goalless draw, which would already have been quite disappointing. Um, You know, first match of the season, there's a lot of excitement and and, uh, good vibes around Dortmund, I would say, over the summer, despite what happened at the end of last season and some of the transfer stuff that not a lot of people are happy with. Uh, And then they kind of laid a bit of a neck uh, in terms of performance. I think they were laborious, uh, lack of creativity. Uh, The... Tracking back defensively was shocking, in my opinion, uh, from a lot of these players. Uh, if Cologne had a few more pacey uh, attacking players, I think they would have punished Open much more than they did in in transition. And yeah, I mean, if when when Terzic singles out your goalkeeper, uh, that's not necessarily a good sign in a home game. And I also don't agree with you know the. The positive spin that these are the kinds of matches that you have to win to become champions or so whether obviously you have to win a lot of games to uh, win the league but uh if we look back at dortmund's run especially early on in 2023 there were a number of these games where they weren't necessarily the better side but just had you know the, the luck of the draw or whatever on their side and, and eat out wins when performances didn't necessarily merit it so I would certainly like for them to be further along in their development. I guess, uh, you know, first game of the season, couple of personal changes, uh, and not really being in the groove and all, so I'm sure you can find a number of uh explanations as to why this performance was so lackluster, but it's just it it you won't convince me it wasn't disappointing anyway.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean the the post shot xg minus the goals against factor was plus 0.54 uh, according to fb ref and basically uh that led the match day uh so basically Kobel had the best performance or uh think in the definition says it either means your goalkeeping is really good or you're very lucky <laughs> one of those two um i mean if we uh think about the save from i think it was uh adamian London. yeah um in the, uh, what, 55th minute or so, um, or, or 78th minute. Um, yeah, there there are certainly a couple of uh, saves uh, that Kobe really spectacularly saved, and uh, to that extent, I also think that Matsumels had some really vital interceptions and, and blocks, uh, where otherwise Dortmund also would have been uh, completely exposed at the back. So those two players really, um probably the best players of the day. um. What's also very funny <laughs> to me is that um, Mats Hummels also really in, in captured how bad Dortmund's attack was out of open play because uh, you said, don't talk about XG, well, I'm going to anyway. Uh, Dortmund's XG was 1.8, according to FB Ref, and uh, 1.4 of those belonged to Mats Hummels alone because he was at the end of a lot of and Brand set pieces. I think his expected assist was like 1.1. And obviously, that's mostly due to his happy deliveries. Same with uh, Marco Roy's expected assists, also 0. 0.7. And um, yeah, just at- attacking wise, not much going on. Uh, I mean, Alea's expected goals and expected assists both at 0.0. 0. So that uh, tells you a lot of things. And of course, um, the, the midfield was very stagnant. Uh, I think in Tessich at the news conference after the game uh criticized Engel Chan for dropping in between dortmund's uh, uh backline when uh, dortmund were building up and uh, sort of bemoaning that spaces that were open weren't quite utilized i mean he had two progressive passes all game i think even if he's the number 6 that's just not enough jesus and um yeah i don't i don't know what what to tell you Lars uh i thought that The double pivot of John and Zabitza does not really inspire much joy out of me, if I'm brutally honest. I do already miss Jude Bellingham now, obviously. Uh, We can talk about Russ' lack of automatisms and all that stuff on Match Day one, certainly uh, there's no overreaction coming out of me, because how many times have Dortmund had a furious start on the first game of the season and then... Uh, sort of petered out uh, on match day three or, or four or what, whatever and, and looked lackluster then. So might as well get it out the way now and hopefully they, they show a better reaction than uh, so already resting on the, on their laurels right away. Um, but uh, yeah, I also thought that uh, Ben Zabaini, uh, I, I saw a lot of praise heaped on him for his defensive efforts, but uh, I actually thought that uh, his attacking woes... Uh, needlessly exposed Dortmund a couple of times uh, had a weird miscontrols, a couple of silly giveaways so I don't know I'm not really impressed by this performance and in- game overall and uh, Dortmund are lucky that Marlen had this one moment of magic even as intentional as it was so yeah I don't know if-, if there are too many more things to be said about this game um it's not like the substitutes really made a bigger difference, to be honest. But uh, if you have any more thoughts, be my guest.
1: I mean, one of the substitutes got the the assists for the winning goal, so uh, that was Black. matcha, yes, yeah. Uh, although I think after the game he admitted to not having hit the ball the way he wanted to either, so it was doubly fortunate for Dortmund. Um But I think if you are you know scrapping for a positive, I think. Uh, set piece delivery was very good. Um, you mentioned Brandt's uh, numbers there already, and and Hummels got on a lot of those. Although I don't think I would, from my, again eye test, I wouldn't put his uh, expected goals there over one because, for example, the the volley uh, which he skied over the goal—that's a very difficult take—and uh, and I'm assuming just because of positioning that that is relatively high xG score and sometimes. are misleading again you shouldn't really look at them in 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 a 90 minute uh, capacity but yeah uh, set piece delivery was strong and um, also they had a number of games they ran uh, during set pieces so for example the goal basically followed a formula that they'd used a couple of times in the game already which is uh, corner to the first post uh, flick on somebody get on the end of it uh, on the second post and that's Something that defenses struggle with quite a bit. Um, I think overall in the Bundesliga, most, get, uh, a lot of goals over the weekend from set pieces, which <laughs> might be down to rust or, you know, just, uh, uh, coaching stars having a lot of time over the summer to prepare some routines and whatnot. But, um, given that we think Dortmund might struggle at, uh, creating at times this season, you know, because, uh, No more dynamism from Bellingham. Their wingers tend to be injured quite a bit, um, and and, you know, rust and whatever. Uh, It it would be quite nice if they went back to the good run of form they had on set pieces early in 2023, because that kind of petered out uh, after the first few matches. When remember uh, when they came back from the winter break, I seem to recall that they scored quite a few goals from corners and free kicks and whatnot, and. That petered out towards the end of the season. Obviously, it didn't really matter because they scored the most goals of all teams in uh, Europe's top five leagues uh, in 2020. But still, uh, it's it's never a bad idea to be good on set pieces because uh, if we think Dortmund are going to be involved in a lot of tight games this season, which might be the case because I think the level of the Bundesliga has become a bit tighter, um, then you know, good set pieces can make the difference and. If we want to, once again, if you want to look at the positive, that's probably the biggest one to take away outside of, you know, Kobe being his usual excellent serve.
0: Yeah, that's uh, certainly true. I mean, uh, kudos to Cologne, I guess, for making it a very gritty game, very scrappy at times. Um, obviously, they lacked the quality, as he said, to really punish Dortmund because uh, the spaces were certainly afforded. Um, But yeah, let's just uh, move on to the next game. Uh, Saturday, 3.30 p.m. local time, the kickoff in Bochum. Uh, Of course, the only derby for Dortmund uh, this season, considering Schalke have been relegated. Um, Bochum did not quite uh, start their season on the right foot since uh, they were eliminated in the DFB-Pokal in the first round against Arminia Bielefeld, which obviously is a tough draw. Uh but then got dropped uh, five for nothing away to VfB Stuttgart and hence due to that goal difference are now last place in the Bundesliga. Um but obviously uh <laughs> that probably won't mean much uh at the Ruhrpark Stadion uh on is that, Saturday. Is that,
1: is that really how it's called these days?
0: I don't know what it's called.
1: I I, I don't think it's ever been called Ruhrparkstadion. Stadion. What what's what's the it called? The Wirpower
0: Arena? Re- yeah. Or well, Revierpower... I don't fucking know. Anyhow. <laughs> uh Yeah, and certainly the Old Schalke Stadion. Um God, very embarrassing. It's not like I've spent half my youth in, in, in Bochum stadium <laughs> collecting these plastic cups and uh, then sneaking into the VIP after the game, uh, eating some currywurst. Those were the blessed days. Um anyway Lars, <laughs> uh how whatever this the stadium is called uh maybe we should firstly talk about a couple of transfers that uh, Bochum have made uh, since uh I I just looked earlier and I saw that uh, Moritz Bruni Quarteng is now a, a Bochum player and since he joined from your new favorite team FC Magdeburg I thought maybe uh you know exactly who that guy is and whether he makes Bochum a better team or not.
1: I cannot tell you too much about him because, uh, despite my uh, profession of love for SFC FC Magdeburg and especially head coach Christian Titz, it's not like I spent every Sunday last season. oh uh, no, man, he has an Magdeburg. inflamed
0: pubic bone, so he is actually unavailable.
1: <laughs> Even better. Uh, I, uh, the thing I was going to say is that a number of Bundesliga sides were after him. I think uh, he was, for example, rumoured at one point uh, to perhaps be joining Borussia Mönchengladbach. So, uh tells you a little bit about his quality, but glad we don't have to talk about him.
0: <laughs> well, against uh, Stuttgart, uh, one of the new signings that actually played is uh, Felix Paslak, uh, someone we all know very well since he spent about 11 years at Bochum, but um
1: yeah. Dortmund.
0: Uh, at Dortmund, thank you. Um, but uh I wanna say probably most notable is their attacking threat with Antvi Ajay and Hofmann, considering Antvi Ajay has a lot of pace and Hofmann is a sort of hold up striker, if you will. Um, uh, difficult to defend on set pieces. I also quite like Takuma Asano, I think he's fairly decent playmaker. And uh Logia and, and Stöger are a very Bochum-esque double pivot, I want to say. I don't know how, how you feel about them, but uh, L- Logia has low-key footballing skills and, and Stöger, to me, is the classic how drauf <laughs> six. <laughs> so, That's
1: completely wrong.
0: Is it, is it the other way?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm actually surprised because Kevin Stöger uh, is one of the best deep-lying playmakers in the Bundesliga. I mean, it's a kind of a position that's dying out in, in Germany a bit, because uh, not a lot of teams actually play with, you know, uh, defensive-minded and, and attacking-minded double-pivot, but uh, Stürger is quite a good footballer. And Luzia, uh I mean, he's ancient. I think he's like 38 at this point.
0: 37.
1: Yeah, almost. Everyone who's older than, than us, Stefan, is ancient in Bundesliga terms. That's correct. Sadly enough. Um Yeah, I mean, ultimately I think Edin Terzic said in the press conference today, uh, we have to play our game or something to that effect and not play Bochum's game, which obviously at Bochum tends to be quite difficult for a lot of teams. Uh, Even though last season, I think, Bayern beat Bochum in Bochum on match day three by like seven goals. Uh, So that kind of thing can always happen when you have a team or, or a clear quality disparity, if you like, but I think Bochum at home is one of these tough away games that you don't think are going to be too tough when you go there just because it's Bochum, but you know there's a the the pitch and and the crowd are so tied together and uh bochum make make things uh eklig as we would perhaps say in German, so uh literally would be disgusting, but it's not meant to be you know quite that negative. it's just uncomfortable, uncomfortable perhaps yeah. yeah uh and and I think we should also point out that uh while Bochum lost by five goals to uh Stuttgart last week, or on, on match day one, um Bochum actually had a, a massive chance after like two or three minutes. I think it was Hofmann who sliced it wide. And and obviously if, if that goes in and I think that's something that Matsum has actually pointed out in in a in a podcast appearance in Germany, if that goes in, uh you know the entire complexion of the game changes because obviously Bochum away from home. With a the lead, they are going to sit back and make shortcut work really hard to get any kind of chances so it's not like uh Bochum were slaughtered away from home and completely useless and whatever sometimes game state just happens I think there were quite a few individual mistakes um I only watched the the uh, or the conference which I guess is now also available in the u s um so i i i didn't have an in depth look, but I read up on, you know, for example, Felix Paslak having a poor game apparently, and, and a, a couple of other guys making individual mistakes. I think there was a penalty for Stuttgart in there as well. So uh, that can always happen uh, against Dortmund as well. But I think Bochum at home versus Bochum away are quite different pairs of shoes.
0: Yeah, I would definitely agree. And especially, I also don't think that Bochum. Uh, approach the game a similar way against Dortmund than they would against, uh, Schuttgart, who are more of their, uh... <laughs> Equals. Equals, yeah. Yeah, I, I was, I was thinking about whether I wanted to say or not, because Stuttgart maybe are better than i think they are. I'm not too sure, but, uh, yeah, I think, uh, Bochum will definitely turn this into sort of a cup game and just try to defend uh, as best as possible and then, uh, hit Dortmund on a counter-attack and if you look at the blueprint that Cologne set at that precedent, uh, I think uh, they, have, they have a decent chance to get uh, a point or or three against uh, Dortmund who since uh, Bochum have been promoted haven't won in Bochum. Obviously it was a bit controversial last time around because uh, Dortmund could have had a penalty, but as we all know that doesn't mean they get converted either. So, um, yeah, as Tessert said, there's something they want to make up for. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of not looking forward to this game in the sense that I don't think it's going to be a beautiful game of football. Um, but if you like a scrappy fight, I, I think this is the right one for you, at least. Um, last season when Dortmund beat Bochum um, in the uh, DFB-Pokal at their stadium... <laughs> um, it was a very scrappy game and Dortmund got stuck in as well. So at least uh, I hope that Dortmund can replicate this sort of fight if they don't have the footballing wherewithal to create uh, a beautiful shore and just drop them, um, which I at this point don't expect. However, um, I think there is some hope for Dortmund to become a little bit better because uh, Adiemi, I think, is going to be fit to play from the beginning. That probably means that Mark Royce will return to the bench and uh, the uh, attacking uh, prowess of Adiemi, Malen, Brandt, and uh, Ali up top, I think, uh, gives Dortmund a completely different dynamic um, than when Marco Reus is playing there alongside with Julian Brandt, even though that in the past has worked out as well. Um, so Lars Rierson I think, is is probably not going to play. I assume that Marius Wolf will slot in at right back. Um, do you expect any other changes? For this game, I think a journalist asked uh, whether it would make sense to play Sabitzer in the sixth position and maybe put Nemcha on the or Metcha on the uh, number eight position. Um, do you think that's something Tessic would do currently, or uh, would it just be one like for like replacement on the wing and uh, on right back position?
1: I mean, I sure hope Sabitzer isn't considered uh, their starting defensive midfielder on match day two. Uh, <laughs> when they made the the other DM their captain this season. So uh no I mean I, I already didn't understand why uh Sabica was put in in that position against uh Cologne on, on on the weekend. It doesn't really make sense to me because uh he's a bit uh light around the shoulders, if that makes sense for, you know, a, a true defensive midfielder and it, I mean it wasn't like they were chasing uh deficit, I mean, they were kind of defending a point at least um, and I kind of feel like uh, Zabitza as the low and defensive midfielder uh, not only a bit of muscle perhaps lacking, but also a bit of pace uh, and Valjean has more recovery pace than, than Zabitza, so uh, that does not strike me as the most brilliant idea, I think um, obviously liazon. Unlikely to uh, be deemed able to start because why would you take any kind of risks or, you know, why would you put in in discomfort when you have uh, Mario's worth ready to play? Um, And then I think it's not necessarily uh, cut and dry that Adiyemi starts. I think it's kind of uh, a duel between Adiemi and Necha, which obviously doesn't make sense from a positional standpoint, but, um, I think Royce is out of the starting 11 either way, just because he was quite disappointing on the weekend, um, especially when considering that he and uh, Mats Hummels are kind of the only uh, established first team players who have been there from day one in preseason until now. And when you compare the performance level uh, of Royce with Hummels, I think there's a disparity uh, that was quite apparent on, on, on Saturday. So, I think the question is who replaces Ois. Is it Brandt uh, with Adeyemi coming in or is it Mecha with Brandt staying on the wing and uh, I think that's most likely to be decided by fitness levels and quite possibly I would actually go with Mecha first because uh, bringing on Adeyemi from the bench given his pace uh, might might be an, uh, a good idea but then again <coughs> uh, Adeyemi was quite poor against Cologne uh, from uh, off the bench. I think he had way too many uh, losses of the ball and was certainly also uh, one of the culprits in the lack like, of defensive transitions. Which I think Hummels uh, was was quite angry during the game and made a couple of uh, gestures, which basically were uh, meant for Adeljini personally because uh, he he lost the ball and then didn't track back. So. um other than that, it's, it should be the same. I don't see why you would uh, bring in Schlotterbeck uh, for Hummels or Süde. I mean, you, that would be kind of making a change for making a change's sake. I think there's going to be enough opportunities to rotate, and, and on Match 2, you shouldn't have to do that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I would agree. If we put Major up front, or not quite up front, but uh, more in the playmaker role, I wonder how many uh, times. Uh Dortmund's fullbacks and uh, centre backs will just punt it upfield in the hope that he wins the header that he can flick on to other players around him. Since uh, with him and Alèa, there would certainly be a lot of prowess in the air, and uh, obviously in terms of set piece conversion, that also could be a positive. So, um, yeah, interesting to see what Tersich comes up with. Um, but uh yeah maybe you should note that uh, today apparently was the first day of uh, Reyna being back in partial team training. So I guess that is also good news and uh, I personally did not expect uh, Jamie Bino gittens to be fit to play against Cologne but uh he was almost coming on was he not? Uh think he was also at the ready to be subbed on then uh san had to come off. Um but I guess that is at least for me personally it was a personal uh, a positive surprise. Because I didn't expect that, so um, yeah, I'm I'm curious to see uh, how this uh, Boho match will put match day one into context. Whether it's going to be more of the same, or if we can just say uh, it was a rust game, and uh, this lo- looks much better already. Um, especially uh, focus will also be on on the pressing and counter pressing because that also looked terrible against Köln and uh, can't be the standard uh, over the course of the. Uh, entire season but we all know that uh, the, the pressing hasn't been on point in I don't know most of last season to be honest so anyway um, last I teased maybe a small non-transfer update um, <laughs> do you think that anything will happen slash are there any news Uh, listeners need to know about going into the final weeks of the transfer window from a Dortmund perspective
1: I mean, I would be quite surprised if anyone anyone's main source of transfer info was a podcast uh, that comes out once a week. Um, so most will have seen, for example, uh, reports that uh, Moulinier is being considered at uh, Sevilla and quite possibly uh, Dortmund are looking to terminate his contract um, just to save wages. Obviously, that wouldn't be similar to the case of Nico Schulz, who got a uh, payout basically, uh, for uh, some of the money he's foregoing by, uh, terminating his contract a year early. So I think in terms of Meunier, the problem really is that he's currently injured and I don't know if he's deemed, uh, healthy enough to pass a medical. And if that's not the case, then obviously he's not going to move anywhere. Um, I think they're quite happy to keep on Azar, who's not on crazy wages in comparison with some of these other players and at least useful in terms of, um, his versatility. I mean, he, he came on for a zone and played left back on, on the weekend. Uh, I also kind of think Azar had a, uh, positive preseason from, from what I saw. Um, looked, looked all right. He's not going to be mourning about his lack of minutes. When he's buried on the the depth chart, if you like. So you can kind of live with Azar playing, Munir leaving would be quite good. Uh, and I'll, for once, be optimistic and say, yeah, something is going to happen until Friday next week uh, when the German transfer window closes. Uh, be that, uh, you know, middling striker signing or Perhaps more likely something happening in defence with, obviously, uh, the rumour about Armel Bella Kocsop still being floated around. Um, there were news this week that Bayern were also looking at him, but I think that would basically be out of spite towards Benjamin Pavard, who uh, is basically leaving Bayern because he's never allowed to play centre-half and then they turn sign a centre-half. That doesn't make sense because... Uh, they, they need a right back and, uh, Bella is decidedly not a right back. So I don't really understand how, how those rumors work out, but, uh, probably good to know that, uh, if Bayern want him, there's no chance for Dortmund because, uh, Southampton want to sell him rather than loaning him out and Dortmund obviously can only loan him with perhaps an obligation to buy at the end of, uh, uh, the season. So we have to, to wait and see, but. I kind of have a feeling that something is going to happen in the last uh,
0: seven days now of the transfer window. All right. Yeah. Can, can't wait. Uh, in the meantime, uh, I looked up what the Ruhrstadion is called. <laughs> and this. Not th- Ruhrpark? No, it's not Ruhrpark Stadion. <laughs> it's the Vonovia Ruhrstadion currently. Uh, ah. But uh, yeah, oftentimes also just called Stadion an der Kassabra Straße. So. If anyone refers to it at Anne Kastropper, that's usually what's meant. It's the Ruhrstadion, so apologies, but uh, <laughs> I need to clear this up. I couldn't, otherwise I wouldn't be able to fall asleep tonight. Anyway, uh, Lars, thank you very much uh, for this little uh, mini-update and uh, we shall be back next week with an episode uh, post-Bochum the Bochum game. Um, Do you want to do a prediction? <laughs> we haven't done so in a while, but
1: Um. One or
0: draw. All right. I'm saying 2 1 win for, for Dortmund. All right. Thank you as always for coming on. And to everyone out there, thank you for listening. Uh, enjoy your weekend. Until next time, goodbye.